This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. And today we want to talk about improv in business storytelling. And uh, so I invited on today's guest is Kathy Clotes Guest. Kathy, how's it going today? It's going all right. Not too shabby in yourself. Hanging in there. That's uh, that's for sure. Living the dream, I guess. That's, that's what I'm always saying. <laughs> Can we get a refund on 2020? Yeah. Well, I, I, I got a one-star review t-shirt for 2020. <laughs> uh, terrible customer service. If you want to get the, uh, if you want to buy it, ctrap.online forward slash shirt. Not a joke. Seriously that's... designed it and it's on Amazon. <laughs> That sounds amazing, actually. Yeah, I, that's generous. I'd give it. I give it a negative review, like a negative star at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it, it it is what it is. We just got to move forward, like uh, you know, improv, right? Yeah, <laughs> Let's go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. So talk talk to me about improv. In I mean, you know, when I think of improv, The Office comes to my mind. Michael Scott, yeah. improv. He's shooting yeah. everybody, right? What a jerk. <laughs> but some, <laughs> some yeah. of the younger listeners won't get the, the reference, I'm sure, or maybe they do because it's being shown everywhere. But yeah. how, how did you how did you come up with this topic? Why is it important to you? And how do you um what does it have to do with businesses and storytelling? Yeah. So yeah, Michael Scott is sort of the, you know, everything gone wrong. When improv goes wrong, it's horrible. It goes off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> and when improv is great, it's really wonderful. So um, I've been doing improv, gosh, going on like 23, 24 years, um, which which ages me and that's okay. It's like, so I've been doing it for over uh, two decades and I was doing it while, you know, working in tech and, and you know, five, six nights a week doing stand-up and improv and, and then, uh, you know, bringing, having these like epiphanies, like, oh my God, like business should work this way. And why doesn't it work this way? And what the heck? And just all these epiphanies, I was like, you know, we could take some of these things and bring it into business. And so um, little by little, I was bringing things into business and applying different concepts and just seeing the change that it made and people having more fun, but it was more human. We get better outcomes, just all the list of things. And yes, for people thinking, is improv comedy? Yeah, it's partly that. That's true. And when we're doing shows, and I also teach pure stage improv, it is comedy. It's also that and more. There's a way that we create together. There's a way that improvisers collaborate that is so special and so um, important. And I think business could learn a ton about how that works. Give you this example. Like when I speak, uh, I stop doing 
I started doing less and less PowerPoints because I think they just like they kind of confine you to right. uh, whatever's on the PowerPoint, right? And people yes. ask a question, and now you're like, "That's the next slide, whatever." <laughs> and so yeah. when I when I spoke a few years ago, the there was like three speakers before me, and the first one put up a po um, podium or whatever, right? The lectern. I don't know what the right term is, but a podium. I think most people can picture that in the middle of the stage. And then the next two didn't even use it, but the podium was still sitting up there. And so then I went up there and I'm talking about how do you, uh, how do you do digital transformation and whatnot. And I said, the first thing is you have to realize what the status quo is. And the problem with the status quo is somebody sets it up like they put the podium right here and nobody has used it, but this podium is now the status quo until I pick it up and move it over here. And I picked it up and moved it over. So is that, is that just winging it or is that improv or is it something totally different or is that not what we're talking about? So improv yeah, improvisation is a lot of things. Improv isn't just winging it. It is partly that what people um, it's a craft like anything else. Part of the reason why I can do what I do and any improviser can do what they do on a stage is because they've been honing their craft and their muscles of trusting other people, of letting go of any agenda, of yes-anding everybody else and moving the story forward. So it is a craft. It's also something that I really believe that anyone can do if we are willing to just say, all right, I'm going to let go of any agenda in the moment and I'm just going to embrace whatever the situation in front of me calls for. You might have prepared a bunch of slides, you know, I, you know, and maybe you got there and you saw that people weren't into it. You saw that people were tired, people were yawning. Maybe you were scheduled late in the day and you went, you know what, I'm going to just throw this out and I'm going to meet people where they're at. When we forget the agenda and meet people where they're at to yes and where the audience is in that moment, that's that's improv. It's an improvisation mindset. And that's what we're asking people to do. I don't, I'm not saying, all right, go out and you know, you know, make a funny scene. It's not about that. It's about letting go of whatever agenda sometimes we have and being able to recognize that things change. You know, COVID happened and you might have had a plan. I had a plan too. And guess what? <laughs> Guess what happened to that plan? So it's recognizing that sometimes we plan and improvisation is everything to do with preparing and then letting go in the moment as needed. Preparing and then letting go. That's a, that's a fantastic quote right there. Yeah. Um, and, and how do you, um, so how do you know when to adjust? So I'm, I'm just thinking about, so it's kind of a couple different use cases, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm speaking, I can try to read the, the audience. And depending on how many people there are, sometimes I'm more successful than others. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes you misread. People misread my body language all the time. They think mm -hmm. I'm upset, but I'm not upset at all. I'm just thinking. That's how I look when I'm <laughs> thinking. Do you know what I mean? You have resting, um, <laughs> resting thinking face. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's, yeah. I, was, I was starting to say that. But... Um, you know, that's how I look when I'm when I'm thinking uh, yeah. digital, of course, you can doing how they're reacting to your yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, but but what tips do you have for uh, how do you analyze the audience in the moment, uh, whether it's digitally or in person? Yeah, well, I think I think there's a couple ways. One is, you know, 
going into it planning, if you're doing anything digital today, and we're all talking digitally, because I, I haven't set foot in, you know, uh, uh, on a stage in, you know, six months. Uh, so, so I think it's an understanding that, Hey, you know what, I'm going to go talk to this audience and I can make some really smart assumptions based on what I know. First, they're burned out. Second of all, they're sick of zoom. Third, they're probably feeling stressed out, um, uncertain, um, maybe a little bit scared about what the future holds and understanding with empathy. When I go to that audience to talk, what is happening in the climate today to contribute to where people are at mentally and, and, and emotionally? Can I now, now having said that, why am I going to go in there and then shove a, a PowerPoint in their face? What can I do differently? How can I engage them in breakout rooms? How can I let go of an agenda and just talk maybe for the first 10 minutes about how's everybody doing and just, you know, change, lean into the change you know, lean into what that is. So when we acknowledge that human change of where people are at, I think that's what we're being called to do. Now, if you're preparing a talk, yeah, I always build in, I always build in what I call planned spontaneity if I'm doing a talk, because I know that in that moment, something, something it always does, will the light surprise the audience and me and instead of going, well, we're not there to questions, wait till slide 54. Uh, I'm going to just drop what I'm doing and go, hey, that's a really great question. Let's deal with it now. Let's yes and that moment. And improv just asks us to be sensitive to where people are at. Yes and people where they're at. To, to, to take what we need to, to communicate. Don't drop it but find a way to do it different to meet the demands of the moment. And that that's really what it is. You know, what's interesting about that too is, so my question really was, how do you know where people are, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you know what they're thinking? Yeah. But what you, what you mentioned is there's some things that kind of apply to most everyone, right? Yeah. So if I, if you were to call me or you message me and say, Hey, Christoph, do you want to do a zoom meeting? I would go, not really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. and, and we all feel that way. Yes. Kind of, so I'm just thinking about that. I So one, a couple of jokes that I have a lot of times is I said, you know, uh, what do you do when you have to go through approval hell? And like, I've never seen a marketer who can't actually um, uh, relate to that comment, right? Because yeah. most marketers have had approval hell. Now, some had two process, two people, some have 12, right? But in the end, Everybody has that problem. The other one, so like I, I turned that a little bit differently with that recent joke they had on Twitter. You know, I said I have content marketing jokes, and I'll share them with you as soon as they were approved by twenty-four people. Um, <laughs> you know, right? Everybody, everybody can relate to that. I don't have to. Yeah, right? yeah. I think that's it. It's really understanding that with lean, leaning with empathy and saying, "Well, if I'm feeling this way, how much more?" Are all audiences feeling that way? I mean, I don't know a single person who isn't feeling, feeling overloaded, burned out, stressed out, uncertain, tired of Zoom all day. How many LinkedIn messages are they getting as soon as you accept where the person turns around and spams them? Like everyone's getting, you know, as you know, probably our, you know, too, our mutual friend Ron Tights calls it pitch slapped. I mean, we're all getting pitch slapped. And, you know, I think there are certain things that 
we can just kind of know, we just know. So the question then becomes is how do I be the person that's different, that makes it easier, knowing that this is the environment that I'm walking into, how do I lighten their load? How do I make them laugh? How do I just give them a couple things that can make their day better? How can I get through knowing that these are the the, the odds uh, that people are facing and, and the real stressors that are, are very real for all of us. Pitch slap. Pitch you slap. have a term for everything. Unbelievable. Well, that, one comes, that one comes from Ron Tight. Our, you know, okay. Yeah, Ron Tight, right. our, our mutual friend, as I said, uh, uh, uses the word pitch slapped. And I love it, Ron Tight. Uh, I, I believe he was the one who, who uh, came up with that. But he, he uses the term pitch slapped. And I think that's the other part, right? We are all under assault constantly, all day, every day. So I think when we think about meeting people where they're at, mm -hmm. that's really what we're called to do. And we don't have mm -hmm. to be able to necessarily read a room. And, th and then that, that becomes extra on top of it if we can read the room while we're live. Absolutely. And so uh, as you're talking about the whole pitch slapping thing, what's interesting about that, of course, you're talking about people sending messages on LinkedIn. And Kelly Vaughn, she is the founder and CEO of the Tap Room uh, located in Atlanta, Georgia. And so Tap Room apparently is a, something related to beer. So she put a beer glass in front of her first name. And she said, I saw a post on LinkedIn that recommended adding an emoji at the beginning of your name because you could see who was using automation yeah. when they contact you. So somebody messaged her and said, hi, beer glass. <laughs> I <laughs> saw that. Whatever. <laughs> I saw her. I saw her tweet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, right? And you can, and AI is not necessarily making things better. Um. So yeah, those are, those are, I think, human assumptions that, you know, if you really sit and design for communicating today, you've got, you've got to take into consideration all those things, making it harder to be heard. And also the fatigue of your audience, the very real fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how do people get started with improv? What, what, what do they do? How do they think about it? I mean, I think a lot of people have the whole being prepared thing down, right? And, and I know some people, we don't want to name any names, but they're so prepared. They're still working on their stuff until two hours before they present or two hours yeah. before they do anything. And uh, I'm not a big fan of that. Honestly, I like my sleep. Um, but yeah. how how do people get started? What's like the process, I guess? So, so improv is a set of principles. And so the way that I really encourage people to look at it is to really know, go into any talk, prepare, but know if, if I have to shift gears, if I have to let go of a piece of content, if, if people are really into the breakout room activity, what am I prepared to shift? What am I prepared to do differently and let go of? Um, I follow the energy in a room. So if the energy is high, I might let it go extra rather than shove my agenda. Um, what, what can you say yes and to? So yes and is the cornerstone of improv. And what that means is um, if somebody were to ask a question, you know, and you're not there yet, rather than go, hey, you know, wait till that slide there, Bob. Um, all right. Yeah, that's a great question. Let's talk about it now. Just it's it's saying, all right, I've got my stuff. I also recognize the audience has their needs and I'm going to kind of, you know, maneuver and and drop, you know, my 
agenda just a little bit, just a little bit, still get my point across, but be willing to be flexible in how I do it in order to give the audience the best experience. So look at it as what are your must communicates? What are the things you, that are non-negotiable? Then look at the things that, you know, maybe if you need to kind of let go, you can. And how can you have these human conversations if somebody you know starts asking a bunch of questions you can still guide them and say hey we've got time for three more questions i'll take three more questions set up a you know set up a little bit of a parameter and within that parameter give them some flexibility so look at look at i think it's really leaning into that yes and and you don't have to be an improviser trained in improv to know how to do that Got it. And is this, so is this mostly really in um, physical presentations or how do you do it when you're digitally or, uh, you know, like even if you do like a webinar or, or anywhere else digitally, how does that apply or does it? It's, it, it's everything. Yes. And is, is a mindset. So it's everything. I mean, think about it this way. COVID hit and, and what happened? You had the people that in marketing that were like, Oh, crap. <laughs> we, we should not do business as usual. Then you had the numb nuts people out there, like acting like nothing had happened. Like it was Thanksgiving dinner. And like, you know, your, your drunk uncle was like, you know, like, you know, Oh, he's just going to go off and do his thing. And he, he cannot read a room. And, you know, it's, so it's understanding that yes. And means, okay, I've got to switch the environment switched. All right. I had a whole bunch of campaigns planned, but I got to read the room and now is not the time. So maybe we're going to just communicate with empathy and not be hard hitting. And then we'll pick this up later. Uh, so whether you're delivering a webinar, whether you're delivering a, a talk, whether you're running a, a Twitter account or any of the social media accounts for your company, it's how can I take, how can I understand in the moment, you know, people are dealing with a lot and how can I make their lives better? So what yes and asks you to do is not just ram your stuff blindly through. It says, what's important for me to communicate? What's important to my audience and look for the intersection. Is it important? Is it important it, for it, me to communicate yeah. my humanity in this moment? And the answer is hell yeah. But it sounds so difficult. Isn't it so much easier just to hear it's my PowerPoint and I'm reading it. Slide by slide. It is when you're not. It is when you're not <laughs> listening. Yeah, truth is you're not mm -hmm. listening. But as marketers, you, you know people are supposed to listen. That's job number one. And and yes, Andine, the number one job of an improviser on stage when we're talking about just pure improv is that, you know, all day long people are saying things and you need to pick up on it, like. Um, you know, the person that tweets out that they're having um, a really bad experience with your airline can be handled one of two ways. You know, the airline can ignore it. That's a yes, but, or it can yes and and say, hey, I hear you. Yes, I'm. you had a horrible experience and I'm here now. Sorry that happened to you. Let's make it better. That's yes and in your customer. So the only way that yes and works <coughs> is in any context, right? Is listening all day long. Your customers are, are, are trying to tell you. And this is where um, marketers just really have to stop with the funnel agenda and start ramming it down people's throats. I mean, the great marketers do. They let go and they say, all right, 
Yes, we have to sell. Yes, we shouldn't stop selling. But right now, in this moment, when COVID happened, right, when George Floyd was, was, was killed, we, we have to have these human moments. We have to recognize our audience is fatigued and they're sad and they're upset. And we have to lean into that moment. Absolutely. And, you know, um, what's interesting about the listening, so I'm a big fan of automation, obviously, um, but but here's an example of where listening automation didn't work. So we had the Iowa, I call it the Iowa hurricane, uh, because it was like a hurricane, 140 mile an hour winds coming through here, 90% uh, of the buildings, and I know some of you guys heard me talk about this before, 90% of the buildings damaged to some degree, right, including our building. And um, so there was no internet. And you know what Verizon did? So a, 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 a TV reporter tweeted at Verizon and said, uh, AT&T uh, waived all overage fees. And uh, how about you, Verizon? Um, you know, and Verizon tweeted back, was obviously um, um, automated and said, please DM us your account number and we'll have a look. And then somebody else tweeted back at the anchor and said, Thank you for pointing this out. And you know what Verizon did? They replied to that person and said, oh, you're welcome. Please send us your yeah. Yeah. account number. And I'm like, oh, my God. Now, for their credit, Verizon did waive overage fees yeah. um, for about two yeah. weeks. So they, they circle back. But, but there is a danger, right? Yeah. I mean, like, so we're telling people to listen. And so they're like, oh, we're listening. And we found a way how we can do it easier. But uh, it certainly backfired on that right. day. Yeah. And that's the danger of like automating. Look, I get we all want scale. We want efficiency. And yet there, humanity means doing the things that sometimes don't scale. And if you autopilot everything here, you, you, that's a great example of the danger. It's tone deaf. And if you if you put everything on this sort of just auto thing, the moments where something happens where you need a human being to, to respond with empathy, AI is not going to get you with, not, not going to give you the, the, the human feels. So that's the kind of stuff we're listening. And yes, Andy, and I hear you. And how do we fix it? Let's figure this out. That's where, you know, we talk a good game about, you know, being human. And, you know, 10 years ago, I started my company, Keeping It Human, 10 years ago. And we're still talking about it because, Companies have a long way to go, a long way to go. Keepingithuman.com is where you can check out Kathy. And we, of course, had Ashley Pointer on, I think it was episode 187, where we talked about B2B marketers uh, being too stiff. Yeah. Uh, and, and I agree with that, quite frankly. You know, everything has to go through 100 different channels. And we're, uh, we're taught to be authoritative instead of fun, right? right? Uh, right. nobody told anybody. Nope. There's no rule. I don't think that you can't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, most, so. exactly. Moses didn't come down from mountain with like the, you know, the 12 commandments. And one of them was thou shalt not have fun in B2B. You know, like there's <laughs> no, like it's a get over yourselves. I mean, this Uber seriousness is redonkadonkalous in, 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 you know, B2B because it's that part of humanity and showing up is recognizing that people are fatigued. They want to have fun. They want, they need the lighter moments, you know? Yeah. So why is it so hard? It's hard because there is, we have a, a, a little bit of a, an automated mentality. We have a fear of, of backsplash and failure. So 
you know, everybody talks about let's innovate. Innovate's the favorite word, right? Let's be creative. Let's innovate. All right. Innovate everybody. And it's like, what does that even mean? Because nothing kills creativity like, you know, getting a bunch of lawyers in a room. (laughs) (laughs) They will find the most creative idea and they will murder that right there. Um, And so fear, you know, it's like, well, what if we try this and it fails? Well, so what? You know, you've got to be willing to experiment. And everybody wants the safe route. You cannot have total innovation and 100% safety at the same time. You can't have it both ways. And what does that mean, safety anyways? Because stuff changes all the time. The second you you, you turn around, there is somebody else trying to disrupt it. I... Um, what was I doing? I was talking to somebody or was I recording a podcast? I don't even remember. And we were, oh yeah, I was, I was recording uh, the marketing uh, school podcast. Um, I, I think they're based over in the UK with them. And, and we were talking about technology and we're like, oh, there's this tool and that tool. And then there's like 12 more tools that all do the same thing and, or, or close. Right. Um, so to stand out, you got to take a chance. You can't just be, um, uh, else for sure um how about humor like how does humor play in how how do you even i wrote not this year kathy but last year i wrote a april fool's story Mm -hmm. and i thought it was the most the hardest thing i've ever written um because it was it was funny but it was like the humor writing i thought was really really difficult yeah so humor humor um so yeah it's interesting so Humor isn't something that you bring out once in a while. There's that, right? If you do, people go, I, I don't even know how to respond mm-hmm. to this. Like say you have a brand that's like super serious and you never, you don't make it easy for your customers. Then all of a sudden you're trying to be funny and people are like, I'm not buying that. Um, and humor, humor has a big <laughs> place, but here's the way it needs to be implemented. Humor is a value. You can't just trot it out whenever you feel like it. Um, you've got to be able to like have a brand like Virgin. It's authentic. It's real. And so the beauty about having that is they have the brand elasticity. If they were tr- to try to, to do something funny and it, and it failed, people would forgive them because they have such a likable human brand like, you know, the other 364 days of the year. So I think that buys them a lot. So people get humor wrong. They they don't understand humor. They also don't understand that it's about being credible. They don't, they put it out once in a while. Uh, it does take, um, as somebody who, you know, did sketch comedy and, and stand up and everything for over uh, 20 years, it, it does acknowledge. It, it, it's a way to craft it. Um, and so I think, I think B2B sees it as, a cosmetic, you know, Botox thing that it goes to once in a while and thinks that that's going to change its underlying bone structure. <laughs> it's like, no, is that not how that works? That's not how that works. So I think we approach it the, just the wrong way. So I have a lot to say about that. Yeah. And how, I mean, can, can every brand really do it or are there brands that are, uh, you know, because of what they do or who they are that they can use humor Ever. So, so humor is a big, broad category, right? Everybody can have more levity. Everybody can be more playful. I do believe that. I think some brands have an edge because that's the nature of the business. 
So, you know, we talk about Virgin, if you're Virgin, if you're a fun brand, one of my favorite brands right now is Chubby's. And I have a friend who is a fellow comedian from the Bay Area and he writes for them. And they, their whole brand is fun. They're, they're clothes, you know, shorts, casual shorts and, and, you know, casual wear for men. And that's the nature of the brand. So they have an edge. Yes, I believe that that most brands could lighten up. I think the trouble is, is that if you are just uptight all year long, yeah, you've got no credibility. Then you put out something funny. It's a little shocking. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but there are rules for how that will be perceived. And you need to understand exactly the space you occupy in your, in your customer's head because your customer decides if that's consistent with who you are. And, you know, not everyone will love it, right? I mean, even if you're, yeah. yeah. You, you know, what's interesting too, of course, the current situation is just terrible, terrible out there with all the, all the things happening uh, in our world currently. Um, but I do want to mention um, there is the, the Coralville Police Department in Iowa. And when you read, and usually, as I was thinking of, they're not obviously a, a business brand, but they're still out there in the community, right? And, and their writing is just hilarious. So for example, on uh, Valentine's Day, they posted a picture, and I think it may have had hearts around the police car, I don't know, but at the very least it was the police cruiser. And the post said something like, um, happy Valentine's Day, we've been making hearts race since whenever, whatever year they were established. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it's yeah. Funny, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. And it sounds like they do this also on a fairly consistent basis. Um, yeah, unless something bad yeah. happened, they're pretty tongue yeah. in cheek and there's always yeah. something, some smart. Well, and that's out. just it. When something bad happens, that's the wrong time. You know, humor really needs context and timing. And, you know, if, if something bad happens like COVID, yeah, April Fool's is not the time to be trotting out. You know, we're in the middle of COVID and people are like, oh, my God. And so I, it is really understanding timing and being able to read the, the, the social media room and and knowing you know what you can get away with. You also can't get away with certain things depending on your brand. I mean, if you're if you're the police police aren't really trusted in a lot of communities. So there's only so much um, humor you can use under certain contexts. Yeah. You always have to think yeah. about it. Um, so Kathy, you have, uh, so your book, Stop Boring Me, um, that's available on keepingithuman.com. Any other uh, sites or links where people should connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So the book actually, um, it's you can read all about it on keepingithuman.com. You can order it on amazon.com. Yeah. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn, all that other good stuff. Twitter, all the socials. All the social channels. Oh. And so what's your prediction for uh, 2021, oh. when, when will we get, I mean, you haven't been on the road, no. either, right? I mean, I don't have anything. No. I have nothing booked this year. I'm totally given up on this year. Uh, looking at Madrid, Spain in mm. May next year, uh, maybe Canada in April. Um, but it sounds like who knows what's going to happen. What's your prediction for 2021? Will we be giving, uh, will we be going to conferences again, or are we still doing webinars and <laughs> virtual keynotes and quotation. I think it would be, I think we're going to go back. Um, I'm hearing sort of, it may not be till you know, spring of, of 2021. 
That's what I'm hearing. Um, I think it's going to be a hybrid model. And I think, I think uh, there's some digital conferences that are not going to go back to in-person. And the world has changed. Although I think it would be kind of fun to like and, and different to go back to in-person and everybody still having to wear their mask and you wouldn't be able to like, you can't really recognize everybody. <laughs> I like that. My humor brain goes there and it's like, that would be magical, right? Um, that would be interesting. Well, the, the the hard thing with the masks, quite frankly, is I, I didn't realize how much I actually read what they're saying by reading their lips, yeah. you know, wow. like I have people talking to me and I'm like, I don't even know what you just said. Yeah. And you're not that far away from me. So um, definitely an interesting time. Um, hopefully uh, people can, uh, hopefully brands can lighten up a little bit, um, add some of their humor into things and check out uh, Keeping yeah. a Human com and of course the book and you and you have a blog on there as well. I do and I would um, just say just one little thing um, to the prediction don't give up on humor everybody and mm -hmm. lightheartedness and playfulness we need it we just need it done in a smart uh, way in a way that's that's human and uh, understands context and timing but now we absolutely we can't forget to laugh and all that that means. So how important is it to, so I had somebody on the show not too long ago and I was wearing, actually I'm wearing one right now. You can't see me, but I'm wearing a Yankees hat and um, we were on camera and he says, oh, I don't like the Yankees. I like the Red Sox. I'm like, oh, 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 cool. We can talk about that. And he goes, no, I'd rather not. I don't talk about, I don't talk about sports. I don't talk about politics. And there was something else he doesn't mm. talk about on social media. I don't remember what the wow. third thing was, but um so he kind of set the boundaries and we didn't talk about yeah. it, right? And uh, how important is that for brands to determine ahead of time? Um, here are the things we will never talk about. Here are things we might talk about depending on what it is. And here are the things that are always fair game. I think it has to do with defining your values. I think when brands know who they are, what they stand for, and Ben and & Jerry's is a great example they were built on social justice and speaking up on social justice. So when, you know, they've, they supported the Black Lives Matter movement for like the last four or five years. So they decided it was very much in the purview of their brand to speak up. So I do hear what you're saying and I do think it's important, but I don't like absolutes like always and never. So to say we'll never speak up. I think a lot of brands thought they'd never get political, but let me be very clear. I do not think standing up for human rights is a political, that is a human decency thing. And more brands, I think that that took a, we don't have to weigh in tone, found themselves on the other side of a lot of scrutiny for their performative allyship. And here's the thing, if you're gonna say you care, you better prove it. So I don't think brands can say never and always because I think some things I would actually argue that some people tried two years ago say that's political. I don't agree. I think we've evolved to where that, you know, that matters. That matters. And we're, and people are watching what brands do. Um, now, having said that, you know, I, I think the ball does move, right? The, the goalpost moves. Um, all brands evolve. And it starts with really understanding, yeah. Who, who am I for? What are my values? And the values should really be the thing that guides how a brand really reacts. 
You know, and I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. The, the absolute would stay. Um, they hardly ever works what I did there. Um, so <laughs> hardly, I, I, not, hardly, <laughs> but you said never. <laughs> hardly ever. Hardly, hardly ever. ever. Oh, hardly ever. I, I thought I heard never, and I went, nicely done, sir. It, it was it was a little bit of a save, but um, certainly that's true. Kathy, it was great to have you on the show. Move your content from happening to performing. That's what everybody wants nowadays in content and content marketing and marketing and all those related fields. Check out my new book, Content Performance Culture, the number one new release in the public relations category on Amazon.com when it came out. I hope you take a look. It's available as paperback and Kindle worldwide.